Hey gang, just want to give a heads up that near the end of the episode that we're covering this week, there is a kidnapping and basically forced marriage aspect. It's not a lot, but you know, it's there. So just keep an eye out for it. Um, with that, welcome to another episode of uh, Study in Granada, a podcast where I ask my friend Jackson Eflin to watch the Sherlock Holmes 1980s Granada television series starring Jeremy Brett and David Burke. And we read the stories and we talk about it. My name is Mike Knoll and I am a fan, although not, I wouldn't say expert. Uh, I haven't read all the stories or seen all the episodes, but I am a Sherlock Holmes fan. And and I am a naive newcomer. I um, have seen a total of four episodes of Sherlock Holmes and read a total of four Sherlock Holmes stories at this point. Speaking of those stories, to backpedal. Uh, well, this podcast is over now. <laughs> this week, we are covering The Solitary Cyclist. Jackson, what did you think of uh, the singular little problem of Miss Violet Smith and the Lonely Road in Charlington Heath? With one exception, this is probably my favorite of the ones we've looked at so far. Really? This beat out a scandal in Bohemia? A little bit. Um, if only because I think the tension is greater. I think the payoff for Scandal in Bohemia is better, but I think this one is a bit more of a caper. It feels more Sherlock Holmes even, Scandal in Bohemia. Sure. Scandal in Bohemia is probably better, but Violet Smith has my whole heart. You mentioned Scandal in Bohemia, and I made a note that in the story, Watson opens the narration with about how, like, in between the years of 1980 <laughs> or 1880 <laughs> and 1890, <laughs> uh, I have notes of various cases and mentions, like, some failures that Holmes suffered in this time, but we never see those. Like, I think other than Scandal in Bohemia, Sherlock Holmes wins every mystery story that they're in. And I just, I wrote underneath that note, see, but do not observe. Hmm. We see that these mysteries exist, but we do not observe them. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm still just getting into things, but I think mm -hmm. I'd love to see more times when Sherlock fails. Whatever like, the next big adaption is of, of Sherlock Holmes should have more failures and more learning from failures. Other than uh, Scandal and Bohemia, I could see how that wouldn't make terribly interesting reading, because then there's just an unsolved mystery that the reader now is like... I guess we'll never know. Oh, sure. But I think you can have an unsolved mystery where there's maybe two possible conclusions and both of them are narratively satisfying and the fact that we don't know is also narratively satisfying. Like, there's That's definitely true. ways of doing that. Kind of like how you have some mysteries where like they never find out if the ghost was real or not, but like either way you can kind of conjecture about that. Sure. But those are other stories. Let's get into this one. In The Solitary Cyclist, a woman, Violet Smith, rides a bicycle down a country lane and a mysterious man with a revolver follows her at a remove. The woman barges into Sherlock Holmes' apartment while he's doing some other experiment and introduces herself. She explains how, to make ends meet, she's been working as a piano teacher for a rich man, Mr. Crothers, but ever since his friend Mr. Woodley tried to take advantage of her, a strange man has been following her on her bike ride to work along a certain tract of land. She provides details about the ride. Sherlock agrees to investigate, by which means he'll send Watson to do it. So last episode... Jackson, there was the reference to the adventure of the tired captain. And we played a game where I picked out two other cases that Watson has referenced. And I made one up and tried to see if you could guess. And you came with an idea of instead playing a game called what was this mystery about, which I think is more fun because uh, the case that Holmes is so interested in solving at the beginning with his chemicals and whatnot is the persecution of John Vincent Harden, to which Watson very excitedly replies, <gasps> Excellent! 
the tobacco millionaire. And like, I wrote in my notes first that just Watson is a huge fucking Sherlock Holmes nerd. Right. Yeah. Which I love. I. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's the best part of this Watson. He's this wide-eyed fanboy, and that he's unapologetic about that, and Sherlock doesn't like judge him for that. So I think we play. What was the case of the persecution of John Vincent Harden, the tobacco millionaire? Okay, so we know that he's being persecuted. He's a tobacco millionaire. Somehow chemicals are involved in solving this crime. Um, so I think that somebody was poisoned, and the something about the poison is something you would use for like manufacturing tobacco for public consumption. Or the tobacco was poisoned. Mm, yeah, there we go. I like that. Tobacco was poisoned, and... Everyone's pointing fingers at, uh, what was this guy's name? John Vincent Harden. Yeah, everybody's pointing fingers at John Vincent Harden, who um, is uh, actually a trans man. And that's part of why he's being persecuted by other tobacco millionaires trying to force him out of the business. And Sherlock's experiments were trying to prove that the chemicals that Mr. Harden had access to were not the chemicals that were used in the, in the poisoning. And at the end of the story, he does. Boom. There we go. We did it. Yeah. That's the persecution of John Vincent Harden, the tobacco millionaire. Yeah. So what do we think about Watson and Holmes in this? We kind of touched on it with Watson being a huge fucking Sherlock Holmes nerd. We'll get to it a little bit more later, but uh, Watson gets to like do things in this episode, and that's fun. As the stories go, this comes very late in the run of the stories, but here it's very early, and so I don't know... There are stories before where Watson gets to do things, but in the episode, it's like the first time he gets like to go out alone i like the scene when violet smith comes into 221b and holmes says that you know she's a very clearly a very ardent cyclist and she's surprised and watson just very like confidently is like slight roughening on the side of the soles caused by the friction of the pedals holmes like turns around and is like yes like my student my, my boy my son he did it and in the story they have him notice but he doesn't say it out loud like he no still notices in the book but i just love that scene where he's he doesn't even do it like to show off it's just like yeah i noticed the shoes and just the way Holmes like turns around and the look on his face is like yes i think one of the strongest elements of the granada series is taking bits of like uh flat narration in the story and elevating them to full scenes or dialogue it mm -hmm. works really well and lets characters have more moments um although i like that after watson deduces she's a cyclist Holmes immediately goes, okay, I gotta, like, step up my game to show that I'm the mastermind here. Yeah. Uh, so he looks at her fingers and goes, ah, you are a music teacher. Yeah, like, he takes her hand and he says, like, Ex you'll excuse me, it's my business. More of, like, I'm doing this because I'm Sherlock Holmes and not because I'm, like, trying to get fresh with you. Right. Yeah, so she's a music teacher, and she's teaching a little girl named Sarah Crothers. There is a line there, and Jackson, I know that you have your book um, right in front of you, that it's something about a typewriter. Um, there is a spirituality about your face, which a typewriter does not generate. This lady is a musician. It's always interesting when Sherlock kind of has these like moments of okay, mysticism. How would you define it? It's poetry, almost. Like He, may, he just turns a phrase... In a very interesting way. Like he states a fact, but in just a sort of... I guess poetic is the way I'd use way of... Like when he says, uh, in a scandal bohemia, only a German is so uncourteous to his verbs. Yeah, you, you always get this weird sensation that Sherlock Holmes is actually like a Buddhist monk who died and reincarnated as like a British detective. And one day he'll go back to India and have a like lightsaber duel with Moriarty. <laughs>
Anyway, um, everybody should read uh, The Mandal of Sherlock Holmes. It's really good. Canonically, though, he does retire to the countryside to tend bees. Like, that's how Sherlock Holmes is career. <laughs> good. Somebody wrote a novel based off of that, and that was the basis for the Mr. Holmes movie with Sir Ian McKellen that came out a number of years ago. I forgot that I watched that on a plane and, like, immediately blocked it out. Because, you know how Ian McKellen injects, like, an element of homoeroticism into every movie he's in? I'll take your word for it. He does, trust me. I believe he uh, does. Yeah. The thing is, in this, uh, Holmes' only, like, characters he interacts with are the housekeeper and her 12-year-old son. Her shitty 12-year-old son? Yeah. So that element of homoeroticism is still there, but it's with this 12-year-old, and it's weird and uncomfortable. I don't think he meant to. It's just kind of, it's just how Ian McKellen be, uh, sorry, how Sir Ian McKellen be, and it's weird and uncomfortable, and yeah. I forgot about that until now. I like um, not to not to cut off the talk of homoeroticism. Um, oh no, it's fair. We should probably move on. I like also again we get good notes of Jeremy Brett going from language to frenetic. Mm, yeah, where he's like, there's a point where she's telling the story, and it's basically just the story is I'm working here, and this odious drunk piece of shit tried to kiss me, and. Also, and Holmes is kind of like standing across the room, just like looking almost, I don't know if he's like looking at his chemistry set, trying like, because that's what he wants to be doing. But she says something and he's kind of like, so what's the deal? And she says, I'm being followed. And he turns around and moves as fast as he can across the room to stand right in front of her to <laughs> gesture at the chair she's standing next to to sit down and keep talking. Like, it's not like from across the room, like, please sit down and keep talking. He moves across the room to stand right next to her to gesture at the chair. If he could, like, Nightcrawler teleport, he would definitely have done so. Oh, yeah. And I think partially like that, this initial setup stuff is ostensibly waffle until you figure out why it matters later. And yeah. also, you know, some character stuff. And so I get why Sherlock wouldn't really care at first. This whole thing where he doesn't really care about this woman who's basically being sexually harassed is uh, indicative of the time, but also plays into this thing where Sherlock doesn't really care that much about this case at first because he doesn't realize... The... It's very commonplace, and it's, yeah. it's not really a case right. until she's being followed by this weird guy. And I don't know, like, I, I get why he's uninterested, because as you say, like, putting it in the time period it was written in and set in, like, the stuff that she's gone through isn't uncommon or even necessarily socially unacceptable. Like, a lot of people, will, like, Holmes and Watson are obviously not cool like think that this sucks and Carruthers her boss is very obviously like I'm I'm so sorry that happened you'll never see him again like this that wasn't right but in general I feel like it was Holmes isn't as interested because like this happens I don't understand why you need me right and it seems like more or less sorted until she mentions the cyclist which he says he'll investigate but she means he's gonna have Watson do it and Watson sneaks into the bushes and watches as the cycling happens, and Violet, like, stops and just turns around to follow this guy, and he, like, backpedals. Oh, yeah. That's and it's so amazing. good. I love how, like, headstrong Violet is in this. Like, she really needs to be a character who shows up in adaptions, and I don't know why that isn't, like, I don't know why I've never heard of her before. She doesn't, yeah, she doesn't have the same name brand recognition as Irene Adler. and Irene Adler. Irena, yeah. Irena, yeah. You know, nothing's really learned from that. Watson goes home and tells... Holmes what he learned and Holmes is like uh wow you you done goofed um you, we learned nothing from that <laughs> the phrase he says you have done remarkably badly which yeah 
let's just dive into that right now. Because of like the filming, the blocking, all that jazz, we do kind of feel like Holmes is being mean, but he's not wrong. There's a bit where Watson's like, Did I really do remarkably badly? Yes. He's not wrong. Like we did in fact learn basically nothing from this. So Holmes sends Watson to basically hide by the side of the road and watch as this happens and like gather some more information. And like, because Violet is riding away, she never really sees where the the cyclist following her turns off. So he sends Watson basically to observe the scene and figure the stuff out for him. So Watson hides basically on the wrong side of the road Mm -hmm. because the guy turns off the other way. And by the time Watson can get over there, he's kind of like disappeared. And so that's why Holmes is like, Oh, no, you really have done remarkably bad. But I love that because it's it's part of it is still the mentor teacher angle that we've talked about of like I I really thought you could do it, Watson. I I thought that you had it in you this time to you know I, I was I thought it was time for a promotion, and you really just kind of goofed. And I think that he actually gets I wrote down like they have like a lovers quarrel in this episode after that because like they just kind of get snippy with each other for most of the rest of the episode about it because Holmes does kind of lay into him a little bit. The stretch of road that Violet rides down, there is like a manor house farther back up like a footpath or whatever called Charlington Hall. And Watson figures out that there are people there like living there. And so he comes back into town to talk to like a house, like an estate agent or whatever, and finds the name Williamson is who owns the house. And so Holmes, as you heard, Holmes kind of lays into him like what, what did we actually learn? And you should have gone to the local public house. <laughs> Which Holmes does. He goes to the pub and talks to a very helpful pub owner and like learns about the people who live at Williamson, which has a great line where the pub owner's like, In the warm lot. Warm? Yeah. The sort you don't want to get too near for fear of getting burnt. Like. That is like exactly what I want from my Sherlock Holmes novels. <laughs> this is, there's a scene... I think also that Holmes gets very testy with Watson because like they have limited windows of when they can actually investigate this because Mm. uh, Violet only cycles down that road on Saturdays when she's coming to the train station to come home to visit her mother or when she's going back on Mondays. And so basically Watson just burned, it's a Monday and Watson just burned their only chance to investigate this crime for five more days. And now they just have to kind of wait and hope that nothing bad happens to her in five days before they can get back to like, so I kind of understand why he's gets sort of very testy with Watson over this. Um, But yeah, then my favorite bit though is when the lover's quarrel bit is when Holmes is about to leave on the next Saturday or whatever to go investigate. And Watson's like, Oh, I'll come with you. He goes, no, I don't think that'll be either useful nor necessary. And Watson gets like, kind of like shitty and Holmes leaves. He goes, maybe you should go to the public houses. And Watson, it turns out Holmes goes, Watson, what an excellent idea. Like he's come back for something he forgot. And Watson didn't see him at the bar. Holmes also is like asking for information about, uh, Mr. Woodley. Cause he like, it comes up and Mr. Woodley is actually there and they get into, um, <laughs> something that could be charitably described as a fight. Yeah, when Woodley hits Holmes, it's and he stumbles back. It is like the most, the funniest thing to me. Of like, so clearly, it's like in in soccer as as we're recording this. The World Cup is wrapping up, and we're like, somebody will get like nudge, and they'll just like 
throw their arms in the air and like flop backwards onto the ground. <laughs> it felt like that. Like the guy didn't seem to hit him very hard. Mahomes like stumbles all the way across the room. In fights on screen, you generally like intentionally kind of graze the person or like punch creatures away from them. The camera like accounts for that. However, here Woodley's actor punches about like a good six or eight inches away from Holmes and the camera does not put any work into accounting for that. So Holmes goes flying across the room. So it looks like Woodley has some sort of like, I don't know, airbending powers or some shit. Like he just like forced the raw air of the pub to throw Holmes into the wall. And then Holmes like has some better punches on him. Yeah. What Holmes brings up that he is proficient in boxing, which is a thing that we'll see come up again and again. Uh, judo and boxing are Holmes's two, I don't know, martial um, experiences. He doesn't bring up judo in this one, but that's a thing that will come up very famously in a later mystery. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm spoiled. I watch Into the Badlands a lot, but like... By modern day standards, it is like... And, and I can take it with a grain of salt. Like watching this now... And paying attention for that kind of stuff, uh, I do notice it. But like, if I were just watching this on, I don't know, one day, I just wanted to watch an episode and I picked this one, I wouldn't care too much about it. Stunt work is hard. You can like really hurt somebody and really don't want to hurt somebody in your lit house movie thing. So I get it. But yeah. But speaking of good stunt work, in the sequence coming next, Violet sends a letter to Sherlock and. We learned that Woodley met with Carruthers and they had an argument and Carruthers then proposed to Violet and she's like, uh, I'm quitting. She's also engaged. Oh yeah, that's you. I always forget that. To Cyril Morton. Cyril Morton, yes. Uh, it's her last day because she's quitting and Carruthers is sending a trap for her and Sherlock is like, hmm, what an interesting word choice. So they go to try to meet it, <laughs> but um, unfortunately she left earlier than planned and so... Here, Sherlock is beating himself up that he didn't account for the possibility they'd leave early. And mm -hmm. they run to catch up, but Violet is missing, and the horse is just running free. And Watson redeems himself by managing to, like, roll high on his animal handling check and stop the horse, which yeah. leads to another scene of, of Holmes just, like, beaming at him, like, good man. And I'm like, yay! I, I, mean, I noted that as well, of, like, this is where Holmes, like, forgives him, basically. Yeah. For, like, the... The terribly, remarkably badly is forgiven and forgotten. And that's the scene they added to the episode. That's not in the book. So good job. Yeah. And also the stunt work with the horse, that was pretty good. And animals are hard to work with. So I'm glad they put their money where it mattered. Let's uh, let's go ahead and finish out the synopsis and then we'll jump in. Because I know there's some stuff in here you want to talk about. Well, let's, we're close enough. Let's go ahead and end the get done with the synopsis. So anyway, um, the man who's been following Violet comes up and he's Mr. Crowthers in disguise. He's trying to protect her. They all race up to the Williamson Manor and find that Violet was forcibly married to Woodley by the uh, priest Williamson. Well, priest. Defrocked. Uh, Defrocked. It, not, not literally. Like, he is uh, like not considered a priest anymore. He was kicked out of the priesthood. Not like he was standing there unfrocked. <laughs> it's a really, really sexy wedding. Um, no, it's uh, not. Forced sorry. wedding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's bad now, I'm sorry. Um, so there's a skirmish with Woodley gets shot by Crothers, and Sherlock is like, nope, I'm putting everybody at gunpoint, we're going back to the house to talk us out like British gentlemen. He explains his deduction that Violet's uncle was actually rich, and he was on his deathbed, so Crothers and Woodley raced home to try to marry Violet for her inheritance, uh, you know, as you do, and they got Williamson to kind of go along with this for a share. Carruthers spent time with Violet and fell in love with her and had second thoughts, tried to prevent it, but didn't actually tell her what's going on. They all get arrested. Violet you know, marries Cyril Morton. Cyril... Mm. Yeah, yeah, Cyril, Cyril Morton. Morton. And that's it, basically. We should backtrack very briefly. You mentioned the uncle. 
but I don't know if we set him up at the beginning. Violet, her father had died, and the only relative they had was an uncle, Ralph, who had gone to South Africa. They had her for like 15 years. When this started, she actually met Carruthers and Woodley because they put out an ad in the newspaper looking for her because they knew her uncle. And so that's kind of where that connection lies. Like I just I realized at the end when you brought up the uncle that the uncle had died. I think a lot of people were like, "What uncle?" Mm, yeah. So I just wanted to cover that real quick. Um. So yeah, this is kind of the meat of the episode, and we meet Williamson, who's amazing. This like defraud priest who's helping with a inheritance scam should definitely be a recurring character in Sherlock Holmes adaptions. Again, this episode is full of great characters. Yeah, like in the episode, we meet him not knowing who he is as he comes out of the public house that Holmes is going to enter in like two minutes. And it's a full about two minute scene of him drunkenly walking to a horse, getting on the horse and riding away. Mm-hmm. And that's how we meet him. And then as soon as he's out of frame, Holmes comes into frame and goes into the public house watching this. If you didn't know who that guy was, it's just like, what is this now? <laughs> so full disclosure, I thought that was Sherlock Holmes in a disguise. I had forgotten that Williamson shows up before and so i was like is that jeremy brett like i also i was like looking at him like oh no that's that's the priest never mind um however it is in fact uh ellis dale doing a very good rowan atkinson impression just the the best rowan atkinson the priest is like constantly three sheets to the wind in his falling down house that has lance and vines growing in it like it's that third act of jumanji the set dressing is amazing the character is constantly correcting holmes whenever his deduction is like slightly off like in the first place, the three of you came across from South Africa. Wrong! I've never even been in South Africa. I know that you wanted to talk about Carruthers. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Carruthers you know, reveals himself to have been following Violet to protect her, to make sure nothing bad happened to her. And there's this obvious solution that he didn't seem to think of, which was... Tell her that... <laughs> well, no, I mean, he did think of it. He just knew that she'd leave. And he loved her, Jackson. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry that this 40-year-old man was in love with this 20-year-old woman who's engaged and has shown no interest and was already leaving after he proposed marriage. The episode does a lot more work to make Carruthers not the bad guy, or not Mm -hmm. a bad guy, than the book does. I wrote in my notes at the end that they try to snape him. Yeah. Where basically, I was in love with her, so I did all this stuff. I was like, yeah, but you also like didn't do the one thing that would make sure this definitely didn't happen because you love her. Shout out to John Castle, who like sells this man who like realizes that he's done the wrong thing and feels awful about it. But I'm still underwhelmed with how he kind of could have handled this a lot better. It's a Sherlock Holmes story, so he needs some intrigue, but... I just love the line at the end where he's like, well, I was in love, and Watson's basically like... You may call it love, Mr. Carruthers. I should call it selfishness. Uh, Watson also has this great bit where after Woodley is shot and Watson examines him, he's like, <laughs> Alas, I have no doubt he will live. I love Carruthers has a great line, too, at the wedding, where Woodley's like kind of rubbing the face. She's my wife! No, she's your widow. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. you see like a Bond movie or some shit. Like John yeah. McClane would say that. They're like, hey, so like you and Willie were friends in South Africa. Why did you wind up being the one to marry her? And oh yeah, I'm ashamed to say it. We played cards for her. Holy shit! They really try to empathize Carruthers in this one, like in the yeah. store in the in the show. They do a lot more work to make Carruthers seem like. Like, a good guy. I mean, he loved her, Jackson. Yeah, and that's my only problem with this. I think Carruthers gets off way too easy here. 
in the story, they don't really go into this, but at the end of the episode, they say that Williamson got seven years prison, Woodley got 10, and Carruthers, basically because Holmes spoke so eloquently at his trial, got six months. And also, Violet and her husband are looking after Carruthers' daughter while he's in prison. That's probably fine. Yeah, which, I mean, she didn't do anything wrong. The daughter didn't yeah. do anything wrong. I get that. And they already have, like, a friendship relationship. That's yeah. good. They just tried to tie this up with a much happier bow in that yeah. show. He clearly did a lot to redeem himself. He did show up when it counted. He did shoot Woodley and all that jazz. But I think <laughs> six months is a little bit too short. He is a conflicted character on that jazz. I think they were doing a pretty good job. But because we're learning all these awful things about him all like all at once, it's kind of it's messy. Mm-hmm. I think if they play that out a little bit over more time, that might have been less bad. I think sure. it also doesn't help the end of the whole we played cards for her, which is one of the most awful things. Yeah. So, like, that was a kind of, like, it ends on a weird note there. I do like one of his first questions. What will happen to my daughter, Sarah? We'll see she's well taken care of. That was good. That's That made me like him a lot more. Like, I think if they put that at the end, that would have made me more sympathetic towards him. I don't know. I think that putting that at the end almost for me would have made it seem like she was like an afterthought. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Like, oh yeah, I have a daughter. What about her? Before we started recording, you made a reference to wanting to talk about Sherlock taking the case seriously and not taking the case seriously. Mm, yeah. So this is more present in the book that Sherlock is a bit dismissive of this case. He like sends Watson to do work instead of doing it himself because he has other things he cares more about. And he spends mm-hmm. most of the week at Museum of Science or whatever trying to solve the tobacconist case. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he, he's not giving his full attention to this case and things almost go really badly because of that. Mm-hmm. Which is a good note of how like this case isn't complicated enough for Holmes to really care about. And I think that's a good exploration of Holmes' as a somewhat flawed character here. It seems to me like it's not until he starts to realize that she might be an actual danger. The guy following her and then peeling off as soon as she gets safely past this mile stretch of empty road is weird and probably creepy. But because the fact that he's like trying to keep away from her when she chased him away, basically he's actively trying to stay away from her, but just like follow her to this point. I think to Holmes doesn't really imply that there's danger to her. So this case can wait while he does this research for this other case. But once he goes to the public house and it's like, oh no, like she's probably in some kind of imminent danger. That's when he's like, okay, now I got to gotta lock in here on this one. Yeah. But even then it's almost too little too late. And there is a way to read this that works for the show, not for the books as much, where if this is happening not that much longer after the scandal in Bohemia, he has learned to respect women as being capable of handling their own shit, and he's now overcorrecting and thinking, oh, Violet can take care of herself pretty well for a lot of this. And I'd be interested if the arc of this season is almost Sherlock learning how to adequately factor in women's capability in terms of how he interacts with their plights. I'm going to pull that bandit off real quick. There isn't really an arc to the season. It's just mystery episodes. We just happen to get two of them in the same season with main female protagonists who are also very headstrong and capable. Yeah. And not, not to say that there aren't more later. It's just that we happen to clump these together this right. season. I do. I want to know how they went about picking episodes just because they've pulled yeah. from all across Canon for these. And mm-hmm. maybe it was, I mean, this one probably wasn't terribly expensive to shoot. It's mostly bicycles on a lonely road. 
Yeah. It might be based on cost. It might be based on having a variety of different kinds of things happening. This one is a, a marriage scandal. The naval episode is a political drama. The Dancing Man is a... Thriller, maybe? Uh, yeah, it's a th- I'd say a thriller. Um, Scandal Bohemia is a... Episode? <laughs> it's an episode. Um, it's a romantic comedy of errors, I guess. So, now that we're at the end of the episode of Granada, you wanted to cycle back around to Sherlock and Watson. Hey. Oh, yeah. I meant to do that. Totally. I just kind of like how they have this arc of Watson mucking up and redeeming himself. At the end, they finally get back to where the episode started of them trying to solve this case with the science stuff. And it blows up in their faces. There's smoke everywhere. It's a, a nice comedy bit that kind of relieves some of the tension of the relatively heavy episode. Yeah, I've noticed that in the show now that they do tend to like bookend the episodes like like most TV shows would like the something from the beginning usually ends up the end like um the dancing men. They start the episode and it's the South African securities how absurdly simple deduction bit and then at the end Watson's like how'd you know he'd be here and he hands him the note written in dancing men and says see if you can figure it out and he come here at once holmes granson just says how absurdly simple yeah and this is like that where the thing at the beginning basically is just the button on the end they keep a lot of the dialogue and plot from the books but do a really good job of making it palatable for audiences which is a difficult balancing act last time in the naval treaty also they've stopped doing watson introductions Mm -hmm. he doesn't do the story intro at the beginning like narration at the beginning of the episodes they still keep him doing some narration Throughout, like in this one where he goes to uh, Charlington Heath to hide behind that big pile of sticks. I made a note because I was cracking up at that. Where he <laughs> the says, convenient stick pile. I selected the only available cover and waited. Which was this big pile of like wood. And stuff. But then he just stands fully erect <laughs> behind. Like he's just standing up behind this like bush. Like big thing of sticks. Like not crouching really. Not like even hiding and peering between them. He's just standing straight up behind this thing like looking around watching what's going on oh watson i think that's about all i've got for this episode uh one of the notes i have here as just a small note i made is um a repeated idea of friends falling out like carruthers and woodley fall Mm. out basically over violet and holmes and watson kind of fall out over violet like over the case It, it doesn't stick but and it's not anything that like i think like as i always say that i'm not gonna like make a thesis about it it's just a little note i noticed of like uh mirroring holmes and watson falling out and woodley and carruthers fall out relationships and trust are important here and i like that as a as an element i hadn't thought of that but yeah in the beginning there's this beat that jeremy brett does that i like he goes into what i'm calling like data mode or data depending i think he says data but into data mode where he's sitting there quietly with his hands pushed together like this eyes closed like listening to the case and so when violet comes in and Watson mentions the shoes. He's like, yes, good job. And like, they're kind of like, not like knocking elbows, like, hey, good job. Good one, old bean. What, what? And all that. But like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And then as soon as he's in the chair and she starts talking, he is like, okay, do not speak to me. Because she mentions that her father was, who has died, was like a conductor at the old Empire, Empire, something opera. The old Imperial. Yeah, the old Imperial Theater. And Watson goes, oh, Holmes, the old Imperial. Like, our first date. Like, but it, it does, I mean, it does seem like it's very much like, oh, yes, do you recall the old Imperial? And Holmes is just like, basically like, shut up, Watson. Like, <laughs> he went from being, like, camaraderie to now it's time to go in and listen and not reminisce about the old Imperial. Also in that scene, she mentions that she's engaged to Cyril, Cyril Blevins, whatever. And 
Yeah, Cyril Blevins, that's what I said. Yeah. Um, and and Holmes, I wish you joy, in this tone of voice that implies that he has never wished anybody less joy in his life. I think it's more of like, all right, I have to observe the social niceties yeah. of saying it. Like, I, It's not that he doesn't want her joy. It's like, this is a waste of time, but I recognize that I have to do it. Right. Which I wrote that down, too, <laughs> at the very beginning. In the show, they flesh out the idea that she basically shows up and forces her way into the rooms. Like in the book, it's like not even Holmes could deny this woman, blah, 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 who had shown up and wanted to talk. I can't remember how they phrase it, but it's not as much in this one. It's basically like Mrs. Hudson comes in and it's like, there's a lady here to see you. And Holmes is like, well, I'm very busy. Tell her to go away. And she's like, well, she insisted it's like, that's great, but I'm busy. So no. And it's like, no, she really insisted. And then she like walks in the room or whatever at some point. And I, I love her so much. And Watson kind of is like, all right, I guess we're doing this. And I wrote the line, Holmes looks like every scene where a He-Man meat eater who's supposed to be eating salad gets caught by his wife sneaking a burger. He's just sitting there with his chemicals, and the look on his face is just like, like, all right, I, I guess I'll do the mystery. And like puts the stuff down. I don't know, it's just very, it just made me so happy to see that look on his face. It's a good scene, especially with Watson kind of like sitting over here, like very stiff back. Like he really wants to know what's going to happen next in, in this particular case so he can like finish that right up. And it's, this is a delay. Why? Yeah, like, Watson is much more of, like, all right, fair play, she's here, it's a mystery, like, I guess we can start the new one, and, like, goes over and is whatever, like, he seems much more jovial about it. Holmes is just so, like, petulant. (laughs) I want to do this mystery. (laughs) I want to have fun with my science mystery, not this love and music stuff. I want chemicals, not bicycles. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into this week's Must Clash. Right, where we pit the best facial hair of the episode against the current series uh, champion, this King of Bohemia. And now the King of Bohemia has a very powerful mustache and all that jazz, but I want to point out that uh, Mr. Woodley is specifically called out as having an odious red mustache several times in the episode and the book. Right. Mr. Woodley, I laughed every time I saw him because it looked like he was somehow like a six foot tall, 10 year old boy in a fake mustache. Like, Mr. Woodley looks so young. He looks like a child in a fake mustache, but that is somehow as tall as a man. I'm not going to say two kids in a trench coat, because he's not wearing a trench coat. It's a suit. I don't even want to begin to think about two kids in a in a suit. I don't know. I, I think I, I still personally give it to the King of Bohemia, because it's such a fierce look. And, like, Woodley's mustache is very big and very funny to me, but I just don't know if it has the same gravitas as... Count von Krom. So the King of Bohemia remains the, the mustache king as well. King of Bohemia moves on to face the winner of next week's episode, and next week's episode has a lot of facial hair. A lot of big facial hair and a lot of very British facial hair, so it'll be uh, an interesting bout. So that's, I think, all we've got for Salter Cyclist. So next week is... The Crooked Man. Ah, yeah. The spinoff from The Conjuring 2, right? Uh, Sure. That movie I've seen. Yeah, somebody will get that joke. If you all are watching along and reading along, you know, getting ready for the next episode, uh, I will say now, The Crooked Man, it's not horribly graphic, but there is a lot of, there's basically some, like, torture-type scenes. Uh, Again, it's like the 80s. It's not bad. It's not graphic, but just a heads up that that's there. Uh, The story isn't as bad. It's much more of, like, I was tortured, and that's it. The show, obviously goes a little bit more they show some of it so if that's something that you don't want to deal with just read the story jackson do you have anything to plug i know we plug the same two things every week every time uh 
But if you want to, you can. Go ahead. Also, we can just like use the audio from those episodes like put that in here. So thanks for joining us. We hope you, uh, we hope to see you again here uh, in a study in Granada. We're rare to meet thy go.